listening to Lead Defend, the podcast designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of your young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build your faith as you engage in a changing culture. Here are your hosts, Seth Tucker and Ryan Scantling. Hey, this is Ryan, and I'm here with Seth, and uh, we have a special guest today, Ricky Shillette, and we're recording this one live from the Lead Defend conference right here. Uh, And so, Ricky, I just want to start out, tell us a little bit about yourself and the ministry that you lead down in Texas. Yeah, well, it's good to be with you guys today. I'm excited to see what happens today and all the folks that we're going to be talking to. But uh, yeah, I'm executive director of Living Hope Ministries down in, uh, we're based out of Arlington, Texas, and we've been around for 30 years helping folks who are struggling with gender identity and gender issues, uh, particularly homosexuality, but we deal with all kinds of now gender issues across the board, and we've been helping folks walk out of um, those distorted views of themselves into the reality of who Christ has created them to be, and uh, it is a fascinating, unbelievable, incredible uh, opportunity to see the gospel at work transforming lives and so uh, I haven't been there for 30 years I didn't start the ministry but I've been with the ministry for about 23 years I've been executive director for 16 and uh, you know we have three campuses now in Texas and uh, we have one outside of Houston we have one in Denton and then one in Arlington and then we have an online support group ministry that literally has folks from all over the world 170 different countries around the world we have about 25,000 people that have gone through that have about 10,000 active folks right now that are online 24-7 with moderators all over the world, uh, making sure that it's a safe place for people to share and, and talk about what they're struggling with. And then, uh, like I said, we have a you know our website that has tons of resources and opportunities for people to see testimonies of folks who've gone through this and have come out of this and are now living healthy, happy, holy lives uh, devoted to Christ. And so livehope.org is the, uh, is the website, livehope.org. Yeah. So, so how, how did you become passionate about Living Hope Ministries and the ministry that you have to... Um... Yeah, it's so crazy. This is not on the, on the selection of career choices when you go to seminary. You know, this is not on here. Like, be the ex-gay minister kind of person is just not there. But um, what happened was I was actually called to First Baptist Church in Arlington as the single adult outreach minister. And I began doing that and loved it and had a great time, did it for seven years at at the church. Uh, But in that process, about three years into it, I really just one day in my quiet time felt like God saying, hey, you're in, you know, DFW and there's tons of folks here who are gay and are identifying as gay or something other than that, something other than heterosexual. And uh, what are you doing to help them as a single adult pastor? Like most of these folks are single. So what are you doing? And I was like, nothing, you know, and I didn't really want to do anything, to be honest, because I felt like if I did, um, that wouldn't be well received. You know, because the the stance in the church at the time, uh, this like I said, t- almost 25 years ago, was um, you know we don't have those people in our church, and if we do have those people in our church, we're going to tell them that you know that's a really bad thing you're doing. You need to stop, and there might be a hotter place in hell. And so I thought that's not a message I want to share with them because I didn't believe that to be true. Um, but yet I was concerned. So I talked to my pastor. Long story short, he said, "Man, you know, I feel like God is moving here, and we need to figure out what to do." And he was an incredibly wise man, great, compassionate guy. And, uh, and he said, but I don't know what that is. You figure it out. So I started looking. I found Living Hope was not too far from where our church was. They happened to be looking for a new location to land because the church they were in was actually closing. And so uh, 
we voted as a congregation, and literally the entire congregation had to vote on this because it was so controversial, uh, to take in the ministry as a part of the covering of First Baptist Church. We're, we're still a separate 501c3, uh, but the church has kind of oversight because of me being on staff still. And, and I wanted it that way because I knew this was a, a, a difficult topic. I knew it was a hard thing to deal with, and I wanted the accountability and, um, and the support of other folks to walk through this with me as I'm helping others, you know. Do you feel like, uh, you mentioned that one of the struggles early on was the church, and man, how are they going to receive this? Do you feel like that's changed in 25 years? Oh my gosh, yeah. It, it's gone, it's really gone exactly uh, in line with where the culture is. I mean, at one point, uh, probably back then when we started, I would say 65% of the population uh, was completely against gay marriage, for instance. Well, now you have latest surveys say 65 to 70% of the folks are for gay marriage. Well, in 25 years, and really that's happened in the last 15 years, 10, 15 years, we've seen this massive cultural shift of acceptance, and we've seen it even within denominations and churches. So now you have churches and denominations that are embracing homosexuality as an okay form of connection, you know, and, and as a way of life. And, uh, and with the passage of, um, you know, gay marriage in 2015, then, uh, you know, folks are saying, well, I mean, it's law. What are we going to do? You know, you just got to go with it. Yeah. And, uh, but it's not God's law. You know, it's not what God says should be. And, uh, and I tell folks all the time, you know, sometimes we get accused a lot of um, being hateful toward gay people or to be bigoted or, you know, you're just a homophobe and that sort of thing. And, and I just, I just ask people to stop and think about what they're meaning by saying that because I've literally put my career, my life, my future on the line to say I love gay people enough to tell them the truth that I believe God has revealed to us. And that has come at a great personal cost to me uh, and everybody on my staff. And, um, and so I, I wouldn't say that I'm doing this because I just want to hate on people. I'm doing this because I really believe that folks who struggle with this are oftentimes some of the most gifted and talented people I've ever met. They have incredible, incredible capacities for compassion and love. And it's not to say everybody doesn't have that, but, but this particular issue seems to strike uh, at a group of people who from a very early age feel very different than other people around them. And it's not that they're gay. It's that they happen to be the very gifted and talented of of our folk, you know, of, of people. And so they, even as a little kid, don't quite fit in with everybody else. They're either, you know, incredibly artistic or musical or creative or smart or all these things. And, and they just have a hard time finding a place to fit in. And in the process of that desire to find community, they often find the wrong community. And, and Ricky, when it comes to that, that, those character traits that you talked about, like these artistic gifted people that, that, you know, that, that just, they feel like they don't fit in, yeah. especially in the church. Um, what? How would you see masculinity and femininity being described uh, in Scripture, firstly, and secondly, by our culture and our church? Because, you know, I, we were talking beforehand, and, and I have a family member who, uh, who did not find acceptance in the church. Sure. Because uh, because he didn't fit the the mold for what a man looks like, uh, and I'm sure it's equally prevalent in in women as well. Sure. And so let's let's just talk about that because I think that the church adopts the world's view of 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 culture in so many ways as we've talked about acceptance or rejection of homosexuals. Uh, but but let's let's talk about masculinity and femininity. Yeah. 
you know, masculinity, it's interesting because I, I get this question all the time, and, and I am one of the biggest advocates of expanding our perceptions and definitions of what those things mean because I do think we've really narrowly defined them. In other words, you're not a man unless you're like John Wayne, uh, unless you go hunt and kill deer and, you know, rip their hearts out while they're still, you know, moving or something. I, you know, you, you got this really macho sort of idea about what masculinity is, but I really don't see that scripturally. I mean, yes, there are men who are very masculine and do very... Uh, you know, very rough and tumble kinds of things. But I also see God creating men who are embroiderers of the curtains in the temple and gem setters for the for the sanctuary. You know, I mean, those are typically not, at least in America, not understood as typically masculine things. Yeah, they said God gifted them for that purpose. For that purpose. I mean, he created them with the intention that that's what they would do. So, so they can't be a less than man. You know, they have to be as much of a man as the guy who wants to go wrestle and fight while bear, you know. Uh, what I see as masculinity, I often say when I do some of my talks, is that I believe it comes out of Genesis 2.19 where God says to Adam, I want you to go forth and I want you to name the animals. And whatever you name them, they'll be named. Whatever you call them, they'll be called. And I looked at that and I thought, wow, th this is really what God intended man to do. And it's what I see men doing most that feel confident in themselves. And that is they speak truth into the chaos that's there and they give that chaos an identity and a direction. And you actually even see that in the bodily functions of men. Like the, the determiner of male-female is really the man. You know, he's the one, if the Y chromosome is present, he's the one that's going to make a male, you know. And so, so, so there, is, there is something about the ability of man to speak truth. And it's kind of, guys, what, what we like to do. Like when your wife or girlfriend comes home and she's got this chaotic day and she tells you all about this craziness, you listen, you nod, you say, oh, honey, I'm so sorry, that's terrible. But then at the end of it, the smart thing to do would be to be quiet and just give her a hug and say, wow, I'm so sorry you had a terrible day. But that's not what we do. Well, why have I not learned that yet? I know, I know, seriously, I seriously. But, but instead, you never will. Yeah. But instead, well, what do we want to do? When she finishes that long tirade, we want to solve her problem. And we're going to give her, but you know, what we want to do is give her three points and say, hey, if you'll do this, this, and this, then this result will happen. Well, what is that? That is, our, that is man's innate ability to speak truth into chaotic situations. And it is actually part of reflecting the image of God into the world. Because what we see in Genesis 1 and 2 is God looking into the chaos, speaking truth, and in the midst of that truth, he, he brings order and he brings conclusion and, and solution to the problem. And I think that's part of what we want to do all the time. So to me, that's, that's masculinity. That has nothing to do with the size of your bank account or your muscles or anything else you want to measure. That really has to do with man's ability to know truth and speak truth. So that would be masculinity. Femininity um, actually is a little easier in some ways to define because we actually have a whole chapter in the Bible talking about it. Uh, you give Proverbs 31, you see what a woman looks like. And by the way, that's in the Old Testament. So it's not a New Testament post-Jesus resurrection reality. This is an Old Testament when women were owned by men and they were the property of men. God said, wait a minute, look at this woman. She, um, she's capable of doing basically everything a man can do. Uh, but at the same time has this incredible deference for her husband. She, she honors him. She honors her family. Uh, she takes care of business. She takes care of her household. She makes sure that everything is done appropriately and properly to connect a, a safe haven in a home. Uh, the thing that women do better than men, and this is both so sociologically proven uh, uh, as well as just observable, is that women connect better and deeper to more people than men do. 
it's not that we can't connect and we don't we do but but women just more naturally do that and they're able to multitask much better than than we do their brains are actually even wired in a way that they have crossover left to right more so than men and so all of those things to me uh, I, I tell folks all the time form dictates function and so we have this form that God has given us that tells us something about how we should function, which then brings us to the difficulty of what do we do when we have a form, but we think we need to function in a different way. And then we have the dilemma of transgenderism in our world today. And so we have a lot of people believing that because they don't fit a stereotypic understanding of masculinity or femininity, then they therefore must be trapped in the wrong body and therefore need to change. And when we do that, ultimately what we're doing is saying that God messed up and we have a better way of doing it. And in that moment, we actually become God. And we are terrible gods. We're, I mean, I don't want, I mean, you don't want me to be God. It, it would not be a pretty world, you know? Yeah. No, I'm not good at running my own life. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That's why I need Jesus. Now, Ricky, what you're talking about is really bringing hard truths into difficult moments in people's lives. Uh, you, you talked about, man, to, to really pursue this ministry, I, I risked everything. So how, how do you present truth yeah, because yeah. if it was just what we just talked about, there's probably a lot of people who never show up at your ministry. Yeah. So what's the what's the other side of that with the grace that? that, that yeah, I mean, about? I think I think the biggest part of it that we don't do well in our culture right now is we just need to listen to people. You know, when when people come to my office and they're seeking help, um, the first thing I say to them when they walk in the door and they sit down is, "Tell me why you're here. What's going on?" And I just sit back and listen for the next thirty minutes. You know, literally. And I may ask a few clarifying questions along the way or to make sure I'm understanding something right, but I just want to know what is your story? Tell me about your life. Um, how did you get to this place? Why are you in this conflict? Um, what is conflicting for you? You know, or is, it, is it that you're not hooking up enough? You're, you can't find a boyfriend or a girlfriend, depending on what they are. Uh, you know, is it that you're conflicted between your faith and your feelings? I mean, what is happening and how did you get here? We talk about their families and their life. And, and what's so crazy about all this is in these last, you know, 20 years of me doing this, I've literally sat down with thousands of individuals who struggle with gender confusion. And not only in the United States, but all over the world. And, uh, and it's amazing to me how similar yet distinct their stories are. And so part of what I've tried to do and part of what I'll be doing today when, when I'm teaching is, uh, and we have this, this vi these videos actually on our website as well that, that folks can stream and download if they want. And again, that's livinghope. No, it's livehope, L-I-V-E, yeah, livehope, livehope.org. Uh, um, but they can, they can go there and, and download these if they want to. But uh, I, I talk about how there's these patterns that seem to happen in people's lives. And there's not a single thing that causes a person to be gay uh, but I do believe there are, there are a number of little things that seem to fall in place with a person who has this sensitive personality uh, that then sort of make this perfect cocktail, if you will, this perfect storm uh, that sort of push all the dominoes over. And the next thing you know, they just find themselves in that place. So, so I tell people all the time, I don't think anyone is born gay. There's no biological or genetic evidence that, that is true. At the same time, there's nobody who really chooses to be gay because who would? I mean, it's a hard life, you know, it's difficult, but yet there are people who absolutely feel that that's their only option. And, and I think when we get that, what happens is we're not thinking clearly about the power of the gospel. I mean, if God raised Jesus from the dead, never to die again, I really think he can handle whatever attractions we might have in our life. 
And, and even if our attractions don't change, I believe that he can give us the grace to be able to walk in obedience to him, knowing that his ways are better than our ways. Uh, in, in, in the same way that a heterosexual person who had a lot of promiscuity in high school or college gets married, sees a beautiful girl at the beach with their, with their family, and thinks, I don't know, man, she's pretty good looking. But he didn't go tackle her and have sex with her, and he didn't try to hook up with her because he's like, you know what? I made a commitment to my wife. I made a commitment to God. And even if that opportunity would, even if the girl would present herself to me, I would have to say, mm, I can't do that, you know? Well, I mean, that's no matter what, whether it's sexual or some other like, Absolutely. sin. Absolutely. Like, Christians are called to abstain from the things that are not of God. That's right. And and it's not to say that some things aren't harder to abstain from. Yeah. But but I think for every individual, we've got something that's really hard to abstain from. Absolutely. But God's called us to do Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and our identity is not our sexual attraction, which is what has happened. You know, um, this issue has become so big that it has become not just I have a proclivity toward X, Y, Z. It's that, no, I am this because I feel this. And so it has become my entire identity. Well, that's unfortunate because, you know, bad news here, there is no sex in heaven. And so if my whole identity is tied up in my sexual expression, when I get to heaven, who am I? I'm nobody. And that's not true because God said, no, you're, you're my son, my daughter, made in my image, and that is who you are. Sex is just this really great thing we get to experience here on earth for a period of time. Ultimately, I believe, in order to increase the kingdom of God. I mean, you know, the command of God, and by the way, this, you know, sex is actually God's idea and God's command. It, it, it's not something we discovered or something we made up. I mean, this is a human, it's not a human thing, it's a God thing when he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and have dominion. And so we are supposed to be reproducing, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a really I'm good idea. I've yeah. got four kids. Yeah, <laughs> you go. Yeah, okay. Good for you. All right. So, uh, you know, yeah, so... so it's a God thing, you know, and so we need to embrace it as the beautiful thing that it is. It is, you know, and that's another thing that I think the church has done poorly is that we don't talk about sex. And yet it is the most universally experienced reality of humanity. We all have a sexual desire. We're, we're created to have a sexual desire. And, and part of the separation of male and female that God did in the garden with Adam, or actually when he made the Adam, which was just human, but the separation that he did means that there is a yearning and a draw for us to be connected again. And, and that draw is also represented in the beautiful triadic relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As we demonstrate the image of God on earth, there is a spirit, a man, and a woman that are drawn together. And we also have that Trinitarian reality that we live out. And so, you know, to say, well, you know, gosh, this is my whole identity, well, it's not your whole identity, but it is who, who God has created us to be, and we need to exercise in the way he designed it. Ricky, let me ask you a really practical question. There's a lot of college students, young adults listening to this, and, and let's say there's a, an individual who, man, has a burden for a friend um, who's just really struggling with these questions. Um, what, what, should, what should their conversations be? What, what should their approach be in that situation? That's a question I get all the time, um, and I would say typically everyone looks at the wrong thing what everybody sees is what presents okay so we see the fact that our friend is is got a boyfriend if he's a guy or got a girlfriend if she's a girl or wants to be trans or something uh that's the part that presents itself and so that's the thing we want to attack you know we want to go hey you got to stop this don't do this my advice is and the truth is you can't fix them you can't fix people okay only God can do that. So the problem is really not what's presented. The problem is really a matter of the heart. And so what we have to do is help them understand who is it that God created you to be? 
Who is it that God has designed you to be? In his infinite wisdom and design, how is it that you can align yourselves with, with God's creative intent for you and find solace and, and congruence in that reality as opposed to living in something that you feel but yet God never intended, you know? And so helping them to deepen their relationship with Jesus, explore where are they with Christ, explore, you know, how are you thinking about God? How are you believing about, how are you receiving the promises of God in his word? Uh, you know, explore that, deepen that. And when that happens, all the other stuff gets fixed. At our ministry, we don't, we don't deal with, we, we, we don't talk much at all uh, with people's presentation. You know, I don't care if you're really a feminine or overly masculine. What I care about is where's your heart? And when your heart gets in the right place, the other things align themselves. And I don't even have to work on that. that that'll just happen. You'll, you'll, you'll say, wait a minute, you know, I'm, I'm really effeminate. Well, maybe it was because the only friends I've ever had have been girls. And so all of my mannerisms have been taken on by the, the environment that I'm living in. And when I, when I discover that, wow, I'm a guy and I can have guy friends and I have something to offer in that relationship, well, suddenly I find my gestures, my mannerisms, my speech begins to change, not because I'm working on that, but simply because I'm hanging out with other males and I'm getting from them, you know, things that I'm picking up just like you do with your friends. You know, I mean, you hang around a bunch of bad friends and they corrupt you. <laughs> you hang around a bunch of good friends and they help you be more godly. So, so let me ask this question. Um, there's a lot of folks who grew up with Christian experiences, even made decisions to follow Jesus. And, and now they would say, hey, listen, this is, this is my life. I'm, I'm homosexual. I'm gay. Um, can you be gay and be a Christian? What, what, what is that dynamic? What is that tension? You know, I, another question I get all the time, uh, and my answer is kind of simple but complicated, uh, I'm not God, so I can't tell you that, that you're going to heaven or not going to heaven. Only, only God knows that. What I can tell you from Scripture is that God says that any of us who participate in ongoing, continual, unrepentant sin, whether that's stealing, whether that's lying, whether that's, you know, you just pick something. If we continue in that without any sense of repentance, without any sense of remorse, as though it is who we are and how we are, the Bible says we shall not inherit the kingdom of God period. But the good news is that the Bible also says that is what some of us were, but we have been washed, we've been justified, we've been sanctified by the power of God. And so there is a reality in which, though we may feel something and believe that it's true, if we surrender to the reality of who God is, we actually can be transformed. And so, you know, to me, I'm, when, when we ask questions like that, what we're really doing is saying, hey, in my sinfulness, God, with my uh, understanding that you're not agreeing with what I'm doing, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Will you just let me into heaven anyhow? Because I'm just not willing to change, you know, as opposed to saying, God, I know I'm feeling a whole lot of things that, that don't line up with your word. And, and I, I don't know how I could possibly change that, but I believe in you enough to believe that you can change me. And so God, please help me to be what it is that you want me to be. Forgive me in those moments when I'm weak and I fail, but never allow me to get beyond my desire to repent and to come back to you and to get right. And let me make progress in this journey of sanctification. And I think when that happens, yes, we're going to heaven. You know. So Ricky, maybe close out with this. Um, let's say there's someone listening right now who has uh, these same-sex attraction struggles or they're struggling with transgenderism. Uh, what, what would be your word to them? That you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, that you're not a mistake, you didn't, uh, 
you, you don't have these feelings that go contrary to Scripture because God created these feelings in you. You have these feelings that go contrary to Scripture because we live in a very sinful world that may have, in fact, taken an incredible toll on your life. Uh, it may be that you were abused. It may be you were rejected. It may be that you didn't connect uh, in the kinds of ways you needed to to significant people or significant uh, peers in your life. Uh, it could be that you were mocked or bullied or all that. And all those things caused wounds in your life that caused you to seek ways of feeling better about those wounds. Um, you then, because of the age you were when you started dealing with that, probably early puberty stage, 11, 12, 13 years old, all of a sudden what happened is those, those hormonal realities then matched up with those needs that you had in your life and those things became sexualized. And suddenly you found yourself longing for this community and fantasizing about someone of the same sex because you didn't have those healthy connections. Well then, you know, you began to basically program your mind as you continued to watch pornography, as you masturbated, as you fantasized and looked at, at other people. And before long, you know, this became a pretty overwhelming feeling that you had all the time. And then you acted on that. And if you did, that's not the unforgivable sin. Uh, but it is understandable in the sense that you were looking to meet a deep need for connection with a same-sex person that you didn't ever really have either in friendships or with your dad or with your mom, depending on your sex, uh, and that sort of thing. And now you're, you're filling that in another way, and, and in a way ultimately that can never actually fill the void. Um, and so God says to you, hey, I understand that. I see that. I saw it. I was there when it all happened. I'm sorry if, if there were bad things that took place. Uh, but in the midst of those bad things taking place, know that God was there protecting you for it could have been worse. And I want to redeem those things because I believe God doesn't allow anything in our life that he doesn't plan to redeem and use it for his glory and for his good. And I know that's true in my life, and I know that's true in others. Yeah, I appreciate your compassion, and it just oozes out of you, Ricky. And if you're listening, there may be somebody that you need to share this episode with just so that they can hear that word and that truth. Yeah. Um, so one thing that Ricky said there at the end was uh, the quote from Paul, which is, such were some of you. And uh, I actually love that, that, that passage because it, it communicates uh, that Jesus Christ does redeem. That, Absolutely. That he does draw back uh, what, what is his. And, uh, and, and it comes really where I see it best is in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, and, uh, and maybe into 7. But it's this idea that, um, that, that we are to address the world uh, different than we address within the church. That, uh, that we all once were wicked, sinful people who needed the redeeming uh, blood of Jesus Christ. So uh, as That's you right. communicate with friends, communicate in love, communicate the gospel, communicate truth, and uh, do all... Uh, with the knowledge that you were once just as wicked and sinful as those around you. And uh, we all still are, and we all still need the grace of God. So this is the Lead Defend podcast. We had Ricky Shillette on with Living Hope Ministries. Check out their website, livehope.com. Org. 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 Sorry. Livehope.org. we got to get it right someday. <laughs> hey, thank you so, so much for joining us. Ricky, thank you so Thank much. you. Appreciate it. That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. Until next time, check out our website at leaddefend.org for details on the next Lead Defend conference or shoot Seth and Ryan an email at leaddefend at absc.org. If you want to help us out, rate and review Lead Defend on your podcast app and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Now go lead. A podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention.